0: Amen? That's a pretty good place to go, isn't it? Alright. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning, dear church. I pray that the Lord will help us to, as we are been preaching on the subject of reprobates. And we have uh, been preaching, we preached Jeremiah chapter 6 and, and in that chapter we talked about reprobate silver and uh, how the Lord hath rejected them. Now that was the Jewish people, those who have uh, made interest into God and how they were going to follow God and how they're going to live for the Lord and and yet they didn't. And the test that God gave them and went through and they found out that they were reprobate silver. And uh, we found in Titus chapter 1 in verse 16 there was reprobate good works, uh, meaning that the Lord hath rejected their good works and and they were in the church, and there, in Titus in Crete, and Paul has sent Titus there to get things in order. And we find in red in verses 15 and verse 16 how there were reprobates there that uh, the Lord hath rejected their good works, all that they ever did. Uh, God said, no, I reject that. It wasn't with truth. It wasn't with sincerity. It wasn't with faith. And here this morning, if we turn our Bibles to Second Timothy chapter 3, I want to preach on this morning, reprobates in the last days. Reprobates in the last days. In Tim- Timothy chapter 2, and uh, Timothy chapter 3 and 2 Timothy, we'll begin in verse 1 as we read down to verse 9 this morning. We in no wise uh, finish the message, but tonight we hopefully will. So we pray that you'll come to part 1, which you are now, part 2 here tonight, to find out about these last days. As we stand to our feet in honor of God's Word uh, to bring reverence unto Him, we find in verse 1 of Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul is speaking to Timothy. He says, This know also, Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers love ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Verse 8, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, and here is the phrase, reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name here this morning. And it is our privilege and our prayer here tonight, this morning, that you would move, dear God, within our hearts. Father, I pray if there's anyone in this room that is a reprobate, I pray, Father, that somehow, some way, Lord, you let them know. I pray, Father, that Those that are on the road or those who have the signs or characteristics and maybe the behaviors, dear God, I pray, Father, that you'd stop them. I ask now, Lord, that you'd give guidance and leadership in the Scriptures, Father, that we might see exactly what you'd have us to do and what you'd have us to know so that God would know exactly what to do in the days ahead. Father, I ask you to open our eyes and hearts today, Father, more than ever, so that we might see what we're looking at in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So we find here this morning, Jeremiah was reprobate silver, Titus was reprobate good works. We find here reprobate faith. Reprobate faith. We find in Romans chapter one, reprobate mind. And so we see this morning that in even in Second Corinthians chapter thirteen there's reprobates. Amen. And so we find that this word is very uh, prominent in the New Testament and uh, it is very something that you and I need to consider or need to look at anyway this morning and what Paul is trying to give forth unto Timothy. I want you to notice, number one, I want you to notice the prophecy. The prophecy. Some say that Paul didn't prophesy we find a prophecy right here in which he said this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come now when do the last days begin the last days begin with Jesus amen Uh, that's when they began and when will they end when the church is raptured Uh, that's when those days were in and so we find we have a starting point of Jesus and we've got an ending point ...resurrection or the rapture of the church. We find within the starting and the ending, uh, it says in the last days, there's going to be a progression of getting worse or a progression of perilous times. Times will get worse. Will get worse. We're not going to get better in the days. We're going to get worse in the days. And so, uh, today, is it? Can we say honestly that we're living in the last days? We can say that because they began in the day of Jesus. Amen. And we know that the church will be raptured. And we know that those days seem to be getting closer. So we can honestly say that we are in the last days in just those terminologies. But I want you to notice this morning uh, what the words might mean. It says that the last days. The word last days there, the word last means the furtherest days we have been. And Paul said, there's coming a day when we're in the farthest of the last days than we're ever going to have. Now we got to determine, is that the day in which we live? It may not be. It possibly could be. But is it the fatherest? Are we farther now? From the last day's beginning to the last day's ending uh, to this morning, by what Paul was saying. But that word, that word there, last, also means not only the father's days that we have been, but it means the lowest days that we have seen. I wonder today, could we say that this is probably the lowest days that we have seen? I mean, it, it may be the fatherest, but it also it could be possibly the lowest. But then also that word last means, it means the dangerous days that we've ever known. Now those three terms for that word last would also be important to you and I to know that in these last days, the days before the rapture will take place, that it's going to be the most dangerous days. It's going to be the most uh, furtherest days and it's going to be the, the lowest days. Uh, Days like we've never seen before. Things that we are going to look at and and say, wow. And say, man, how did we get here? Uh, How how are we going to get out of this hole? I mean, it just seems like it just gets worse daily. It just seems like by the year uh, we get darker and darker. And that may be so, amen, in the last days. And Paul was saying that in these days, as the furthest and the lowest and the dangerous, he calls them perilous times. Perilous times. Now we got to know what all that means. This morning, it means that it means difficult days or difficult times. And difficult times means that we're in days that are not easy. We're in days that are not smooth. We're in days that are not just uh, that are just kind of calm. We're in difficult days. Amen. Paul said, "There's coming a day in the last days when it's going to be perilous times. It's going to be difficult." Number two, that word perilous means dangerous times. There's going to be danger. Danger everywhere. Danger in all places. Danger at home. Danger at church. Danger at school. Danger at work. Dangerous times. Dangerous from all angles. Danger from every situation. Danger from when we think that everything is good and without danger, there's danger. Dangerous times. Thirdly, That word there, perilous, means depressing times, times of depression. I guess we're probably in no greater day than depression than we are today. There's probably not a greater time where there's more suicides of young people than it ever has been. It's the highest of the rate of all entire history of the United States of America, the suicide rate is. We find depression. There is more depression going on with pills and with the therapies and psychiatrists and psychologists than ever before. It's huge. It's out of whack. It's, out, it's warped. Amen. Uh, money that's involved and paid for uh, getting our depression from being depression to a place where we can just live. Amen. So, depression, and the Bible says, in these days, so it's going to be depressing times, it's going to be demonic times. Uh, times where the the spirit which is the devil or the evil spirit or the spirits are called unclean spirits will run rapid, it will be going through and moving fast and moving on and and moving in the people and own people and and you know what if you're not saved this morning uh there is a good chance this morning that you're full of the devil If you're not born again this morning, it's a good chance that you're going to get full of the devil. See, us that are saved and born again, the devil can never indwell us. The devil can never take us. The devil can never possess us. Amen. That's one reason to get saved this morning. So that the devil can't possess you. But if you're not saved this morning, the devil can and probably has. And really, if the truth be known, you are full of the devil. We find find in the demonic days. If you remember in Matthew chapter 8, in verse 28, you might remember the story. Uh, There was a two men out there, and they were in the tombs. And and while they were in the tombs, they were cutting themselves, and and they were screaming and yelling and living among the tombs and living up in the mountains, and they were naked. And uh, I guess you would call them just crazy guys, crazy men. Uh, Yet they were possessed with the devil. And the Bible says that they were fierce Well, that word fierce there and that word perilous means the same thing. It means that the times that Paul's talking about are going to be demonic times. It's going to be times, friend, when it brings in such peril because the demon and demons are so rampant and moving in and moving through by the way of drugs, by the way of sex, and the, by the way of anger, and by the way of killing, and by the way of murdering, and by the way of doing things today that are just harmful and ungodly. We find fierce, savage would be that name. We also notice uh, there will be degrading times. Perilous times mean degrading. Uh, Times that we've seen better times. We've seen higher life. We've seen more quality of life. We've seen people live in better ways and better economics and and better uh, intellectual. And we've seen people live in better social and better spiritual. Uh, We find degrading times. Lastly, we find in the word perilous, what means a lot, don't it? It means in perilous, it means a downgrading times. That word perilous means this this morning in downgrade. It means reducing the strength. It means that as we go on and as we move forward to the last days, to the end of the time, that we're going to lose strength. We're going to be weakened as we go. We think that we're going to be strengthened. We're thinking that we're going to get tougher. We think that we're going to get uh, bigger and we're going to be more educated and we're going to be more wealthier and we're going to be able to handle it. The Bible says in the last days it's going to be perilous times, reducing of strength. Reducing of strength. You ever come to the place that, man, it's gotten so bad I'm just done? You have got to the place that you know what, man? This battle is way more than me. I'm weary. I'm wore down. I'm tired of fighting with my children. I'm tired of fighting with my spouse. I'm tired of trying to go through this and the other. I'm just about had it up to about right here. Reducing. Reducing. Reducing strength. And the times that gets closer to the coming of Jesus, to the rapture of the church, the reduction of strength, you'll find. We'll find that the word perilous means hard to take. That you'll look out and say, man, this is hard to take. Look at my children. Look at my spouse. Look at my church. Look at my country. Look at my street. Look at my family. Look at my economics. Look what's going on in politics. Oh, listen. It's hard to take. Perilous times. Hard not only to take, but hard to bear. Hard to bear, it means that I am able to bear this any longer. I mean able to to go forward, able to progress, able to benefit, able to become more and better and be able to go forward in my life. It's hard to bear. It's hard to take. It's hard to approach. When you get up in the morning, you're going to have to approach this last days. When you get up in the morning, as you... Do what you do, and maybe you look at the news, or you read it on your phone or, or, or something, you see this, that and the other. and every time, every day, you just keep on reading it, and then people call you and tell you, "Let me tell you what's going on in the family." And this way tells you at work. Let me tell you what's going on in the work." And this males tells you, Let me tell you what's went down the street in Houston. Let me tell you what's going on over here, and you're thinking, "Man, alive. How much more?" And so we find perilous times. Perilous times. We see, uh, and kind of the question needs to be asked, I guess, is are we here? Yeah. I mean, are, are we in the last days? Are we, can we say that these days that Paul has said in verse 3, this know also that in the last days perilous, shall, perilous times shall come. Are we there? Yeah. Now I want you to notice tonight or this morning, I want you to notice not only the prophecy, but I want you to notice the picture. Paul is taking a picture right here. And in this picture, I believe we have missed it. I've missed it. You may not have, but I have. Whenever we began to talk about this passage of Scripture, it's always from the viewpoint Of we're looking at the society. We're looking at America. We're looking at the world. And as we look in this passage here, we always see it as man, all of our world, and I'm talking about All of our politics. I'm talking about all of our, all of our religion, all our economics, all our world powers. We're looking at even the social of it. We're looking at the, looking at the moral of it. We're looking at the religious of it, and we're looking as a whole realm that this is a panoramic view. And we could say, man, this is perilous. This is hard to take. This is hard to bear. It's hard to approach. But I want you to notice something this morning that, that I believe that we need to get a hold of this morning. I want you to notice that Paul is taking a snapshot of what the church will look like in the last days. What? You mean Paul is saying that the church is going to look like chapter 3? Verses 1 through 9. Huh. Interesting. The closer we get to the rapture, the closer we get to Jesus coming, Paul is saying that this is going to be perilous times. And in perilous times, where is the peril faced or the perception of peril on? The church. That's why it's so perilous. That's why it's hard to take. That's why it's hard to bear. Half of our church this morning is empty. In the heart of everyone in this room this morning, you ought to say it's hard to take. It's hard to bear. <clears throat> Family members are not here this morning. That ought to be in your heart. That's perilous to me. Amen. You see, when we start seeing it, from the professed church to the practicing church, and these are the two people that's in the picture that he's fixing to bring to us. Professed church and practicing church. They're two different people, but in the same church. We find the picture in the two groups is this. Professed church are those who profess Christ those who who have said they believed, those who said that they have trusted, those who said that they have some sort of belief in the Bible they have some sort of belief in God they don't they're not against the church they're not against the Word of God uh, you can you can uh, look at them uh, these professed church are those who from maybe and can you imagine of all the people who grow up in church uh, uh, today that not in church hey can you imagine today how many people's homes if we could went go to their homes this morning and find bibles in their home I'm not talking about one bible two bible maybe five bibles right and you can go by and you could ask people, hey, have you been saved? Yeah, I believe. When I was a little kid, when I was a teenager, mom and dad took me to church. You wouldn't believe how many people have been baptized. All right. you, would not, you wouldn't believe how many people would you say, do you believe in Jesus? And they would say, I believe in Jesus. Well, how did you hear about Jesus? Well, man, I went to church. I had a grandpa, I had a grandma, I had a mama, I had a daddy, I had an aunt, I had an uncle. And boy, they, they have some information. They've got some knowledge. Uh, They've got some clarity about who Jesus is, who God is, what the Word of God is. And yet this morning, they're just professing the church. There's thousands and millions of those. Now, there's the practicing church where you're here this morning you actually practice being saved. They just profess of being saved. And so Paul is now bringing to us in this mindset, and you say, well, how do you know uh, that it's so? Well, I know that it's so because of what he mentions. Now, stay with me this morning as we get through this. Uh, He mentions, number one, in verse four, he mentions... Lovers of God. Right? Look at verse 4. The Bible says, Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, where are the lovers of God? Christians. Church. Right? That's where the lovers of God are. Believers. People who have a heart for God are lovers of God. People who have a desire for God are the lovers of God. Those who have an eye on God are the lovers of God. And so if he's talking about the world, the world has no lovers of God in it. If he's talking about the lost, he's not talking about the lovers of God. If he's talking about uh, some heathen or pagan or something of that nature, he's not talking about any of that or none of that. What is he talking about? He's talking about those lovers of God. And the only place where there's lovers of God is the church. So we see immediately the context of where Paul was saying, where is the perilousness at? the lovers of God. And then look in verse 5. He mentions godliness. He says having a form of godliness. Now who's going to have a form of godliness? Christians, believers, church. That's who has godliness. That's who has the form of godliness. If you're saved, And you have a form of godliness. All of us that are born again have a form of godliness. Again, Paul is now taking his focus and zoning in and say, I'm not talking about society, I'm not talking about world, I'm not talking about culture, I'm talking about godliness. And where's godliness? In the church. Where is lovers of God? In the church. Thirdly, I notice he mentions truth in verse 7. Knowledge of truth. Who is hearing truth? Who is around truth? Who is teaching truth? Church. Believers. Christians. Those this morning that are what you would say is a the followers of truth, amen? They're, they're in truth, they're about truth, they're of truth. And that's in the church. And so we find that he mentions uh, truth, godliness, lovers of God. And then he mentions in verse 8, he mentions faith. He says, uh, men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Now where is faith? Faith isn't in the world or society or culture. Faith is in church. Faith is amongst the believers faith is amongst the Christians of the Christianity. And so we can see by the context of the scripture that Paul is focusing on the last days and in the last days what will the church look like? What will the church be like? And he's telling us this morning in very harsh terms very upsetting terms terms that ought to upset your stomach ought to cause nausea to come about your body. It ought to give you a headache. It ought to cause you to fall on your face before God it ought to cause you to cry out for it not with crocodile tears but tears that are flowing from the soul of man and woman about what days are we in we're in perilous times why are we in perilous times because of the church that's why and it's half empty some of y'all won't even be back here tonight So I don't expect you to cry a tear. I don't expect you to have a heart broke. I don't expect you to think it's perilous. And I don't expect you to think the church is in trouble because you won't even be back here tonight. You say, brother, that makes me mad. Well, that's okay. That's all right. When you allow God just to enter that into your heart, you'll be back. The church is not in trouble. The church has prophesied. Before Jesus comes, this is what it's going to look like. I wonder, friend, why wouldn't you want to be in church and why wouldn't you want to be amongst the church and why wouldn't you want to be here knowing that Jesus could come tonight? Why? Why? We find here concerning this thought here that this is not... When you read here, I know everybody's read this several times, maybe a hundred times. This right here and all that you read in verses 2 down to verse 8, uh, this is not how bad the world is. Because you're thinking, boy, the world, yeah, they love their self. Yeah, the world is covetous. Yeah, the world is boasters. Yeah, the world is proud. And on and on and on. And you think, boy, we are in a sorry world, ain't we? But this ain't about the world. You see, the world's always been bad. So why would you think that what Paul would say, hey, in the last days there shall be perilous times, and he's talking about the world, or he's talking about society. Man, the society's been horrible from the beginning. Right. So the last days, what are you talking about? Society's sin's going to get more sin. But it's always been sinful. Uh-huh. Bad has been bad forever. Uh-huh. So he's not talking about the world, because the world's always been bad. He's not talking about uh, mankind. He's not talking about humans. For humans has always been bad. Right? Right? I mean, from the very beginning, humans are evil. So what Paul was saying, in the last days there shall be perilous times, his focus is not the world, the world's always been bad. All those things the world's been doing for a long time. Uh, Men have been doing these things for a long time. So he can't be talking about It's the world and mankind. Uh, Maybe it's not talking about reprobate sinners either because reprobates have been here a long time. Reprobates are reprobates. So what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about here that this is how reprobate that the professed church is. Let me say that again. He's talking about how reprobate the professed church is is, not mankind, not society and world and culture, and not reprobates that are just flat-out sinners. But he's talking about professed Christians, professed church who say they believe. They say Jesus is in their heart. They say that they love Christ. They say everything that needs to be said concerning that, But yet, they're reprobates. That's the focus this morning. The picture. I want you to get it. The picture. You can't be in both churches this morning. You can't be in the professed church and the practicing church. You can't be. You might be able to be in the same church like this morning, Glory Baptist Church. But Glory Baptist Church is divided into two. You got practicing church members, and you got professed church. In the midst that we have here, some of y'all just professors. All you do is profess Christ. Profess Christianity. And then you practice it. Amen. Over here, the professors are reprobates. Over here, the practicers are saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Paul was saying to you and I that in the last days, right before Jesus comes, it's going to be perilous. And you and I that are of the practicing church today, washed in the blood, saved by the glorious Lamb uh, this morning, we ought to be looking at the church in the horizon and at the scene and say it's perilous in my heart. I can't take it no more. Oh, I tell you, friend, it's it's difficult and dangerous. And I tell you, friend, it's depressing to see the church. It's depressing friend, to see how the downgrade of the preaching is and the downgrade of the people are. It's depressing to see the degrading of how they're doing God in the church and the Word of God. Oh, I say to you, friend, it ought to be in our hearts as the practicing church toward the professing of the church and say, God, I can't bear it no longer. If you don't have that reaction in that heart, you don't, you're not the practicing. Now, if you're the professed church, you'll say, brother, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything's okay. There ain't no problem around here, man. I know we got a few people missing this morning, but listen, next week they'll be back. I mean, I don't understand what the big hoopla is with you. The practicing church saying, my heart is broke." It's not supposed to be this way. This is not what Christianity is. This is not what it means to be saved. On oh, many of the folks who are saying they're saved and those who are saying they're saved and they're just living like they want to, do as they please and have it like you want it, like a Burger King, a hamburger, right? Cut the lettuce, cut the cheese, cut the tomato and all that kind of stuff. And, and they're saying, man, y'all are overreacting. Man, just enjoy life. You'll get through it. I made a profession of faith. I prayed when I was six months old. I got baptized. I mean, listen, friend, I go to church. I got a Bible, a King James Version Bible. I sing the hymns. When I die, I'm going to heaven. Mm. That's the professed church. Paul was trying to make you and I see a picture here. And I want you to say, boy, what a picture. I want you to notice number one. On the I, I, we noticed the prophecy, we noticed the picture, but now I want you to notice the people. When I say people, I'm talking about the professed church because he's fixing to describe the professed, professed church. He's going to have the professed church uh, in categories and we'll divide them for you so that you can see the professed church. And I want you to keep your mind upon now the professed church. We're not talking about the lost church. We're not talking about about the lost, but we're not talking about the lost of the world. We're talking about the lost in the church. We're talking about uh, not the culture. We're not talking about society. We're not talking about world. We're talking about church. Keep that in mind. Church. Number one, the people, the professed church. In verse 2, the Bible says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. I call this the practices of the reprobate's heart. The practice of the reprobate's heart. What is the practice of the reprobate's heart? Well, number one, it is to be lovers of flesh. Lovers of flesh. You say, how do got flesh? Well, that's kind of a little trick here. If you take the word flesh, F-L-E-S-H, and when you speak it, you don't really say H, right? Brother George, you're the English. You say flesh. It ends with an S, but there really is an H. So you take off the H. And that leaves you with what? Backwards. Self. Right? Now, I didn't figure that out. I got that figured out. I seen that. And I said, I'm going to take it and use it, amen? And so, so the backwards of flesh... Removing the H, because you don't see sound no H. It's solid. It's self. And we find that the Bible says of the professed church in the last days before Jesus comes, they will be lovers of themselves. They'll love flesh. They'll be ones who are about Flesh. We find in the days in which we live today, uh, if we go back to Genesis just just to show you so that you can understand and know that this just doesn't happen in this time. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25, you'll find the Bible says that Adam and Eve were naked. Right? And they were not ashamed. Uh Okay? So you come through... Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, you come up chapter 3, they sin in chapter 3, and at the end of their sin, the Bible says that Adam and Eve were naked. Right. And the Bible says they were ashamed. Right. You know what? That began a self-awareness. Before, without sin, they had no self-awareness. They were naked, but they were not ashamed. And now since sin came in their life, they're naked and are ashamed. And they had to cover themselves up with leaves, right? Because of that. Self-awareness. Where did we get this thought of self? It got back there in the garden. It came whenever we became so self-aware. And you know, that's the society of today, self-awareness. Everything is so self-awareness. It's all about my awareness. It's about me and where I go and what I wear and what I look like and what I want to eat and where I want to go and what I want to do. And it's always about that. And we, the church, then we find ourselves getting caught up in this time of loving flesh. Self-awareness. We find, you say, well, I don't know if that's true or not. Well, we live in the I generation, don't we? When did that come? At the end. Uh I'll tell you something else that we live in. We live in the me generation. Y'all find that? Me generation. It's called me, me, me generation. Look it up. You'll find it to be so. Today, we're in the me, me, me generation. Hey, we have iPads. We have iPhones. Now, don't tell me this morning uh, uh, that the devil don't have no craft about him. Don't tell me this morning that our society in which we live in this morning is not held by Satan himself. Don't tell me this morning that our governments and our higher institutions of education and our businesses of of Wall Street, Fred, are not connected to the devil. Fred, you'll find that it's on purpose that we are living in an I generation, in a me, me, me generation with an iPad and an iPhone. It's behind the scenes that you and I need to wake up and smell the roses and find out. Listen, friend, that Jesus is about to come and Jesus is on his way and the devil doesn't know. We don't know, but he knows he's coming, but we also know the Antichrist is coming and, friend, we'll find that's right along with his mindset is I. I. We see in our church today things It might be so simple, and I don't want to make a big deal out of them, but I just want to tell you the truth. I want to take, for example, this morning, uh, YouTube. I wonder this morning what YouTube's about. You can say it. Who? You. The only reason why there's YouTube is because there's a you. Or just be called Tube. YouTube. You know how many of the churches are on YouTube? You know how many church members are on YouTube? You know how many church members who just love YouTube? And they don't know they're getting sucked in to the society of lovers of self. You say, I don't love myself, then get off of YouTube. You say, oh, brother, I can see right now, this morning is going to be kind of a a rough ride. I'm just telling you, friend, we're in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. And when, Fred, you get to YouTube, it's because you are on the tube. What do you want me to do, brother? I just want you to listen and let me know. Can you guess who this is for? You. Fitting right in. They even have a word now in the dictionary called this. Selfie. Oh, brother, that's innocent. Oh, listen, uh, you kind of drawing the line now. You kind of crossing it. You kind of start a fire. You kind of meddling now. Selfie. Why would somebody take selfie? Why would they get their phone and reverse that deal? and put their phone up there, and they go, Are you sick? Does that look like a church of the Lord Jesus Christ who loves Jesus with all their heart and has denied himself and took up his cross I mean, different scenes, different poses. I mean, back here, back there. Selfies, 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 selfies. Lovers of themselves. Am I right? Ouch, yeah. Ouch. You say, brother, I shouldn't take a picture of myself anymore. No! No! You're the only one who cares about it. If somebody wants a picture of you, they say, stand right there, and let me take a picture of you. Boom. You don't need me to send you a picture of you. Don't send me pictures of you. I won't send you pictures of me. Hey, Amen. You think an awful lot of yourself to take 15 selfies within three seconds a whole lot of yourself to take all these selfies and begin to send them out to your followers. To the retreats. And all those that you feel like that you got that are on your side or buddies and you're sending them out all these 15 poses. That's what Christians do. Really? That's what they do in the last days in the professed church. Oh my... Lovers of self. Hey, let me give you another one. TikTok. TikTok. Why? What's wrong with TikTok? Well, if if you look on TikTok or you look on Google and you pull up TikTok, you know what it's going to say right next to TikTok? It's all about you. Same evil spirit. It's all about you. Tick tock. Tick tock. Tick tock. Can you guess this morning why this would be the most popular and the most downloaded in all the world? Can you guess why it is? It's all about you. You get, lig- you get longer... Captions of singing uh-huh. yeah. you get longer captions of doing something like fishing or like skiing or like whatever but it's all focused on you Correct. and now you used to be able to take a picture but that's a quick thing but now you got TikTok and TikTok's all about you so you can go a 45, 45 second segment of you doing you And to send it off. Not only do you get a snapshot of me, but you get a 45 second continuation of me. It's about me. TikTok. Is that why it's the most popular and the most downloaded? Think, church. Think. Lovers of self. Lovers of self. I got another one. Hold on. Yeah, you said it. Facebook. If you pull up Facebook, used to be MySpace, right? You used to have a MySpace. What was that space for? My. Now it's got Facebook. Now if you pull up Facebook, you'll see that it will say this, about yourself. Facebook will say next to it, about yourself. TikTok will say it's all about you. Now, Facebook came from a company or a name called META. M-E-T-A. META means self-referential, meaning making references to oneself. That was the whole premise and the base of Facebook is META. And Meta is just saying, I'm going to reference me over, 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 and over. Is that true? Meta. Meta in the Greek is a God. Did you know that? It is a God, it is a a Titan God. Which means it's a group of gods. It was the most powerful godlike being in the time of the ancient Greece. Now don't tell me that that don't mean anything. It means a whole lot in the world? Right. Like all the other Greek gods, they're still around, aren't they? Sure. Meta, a Greek goddess, turned up to Meta referencing me over and over called facebook and i'm on facebook i'm on tiktok i'm on i'm on these agendas. I'm on these social medias because I just want to share me. I just want to to make sure that everybody knows about me. I just want to make sure that everybody knows where me goes and and who's with me and how me gets there and what does me do when they get there. I just want to make sure that all my thousand followers can know and see of what me is. Because you know what? I'm surrounded with me and me takes care of me. You know what? They say if you can't love yourself, you can't love nobody else. Listen, that is out of hell this morning. Right. Even the devil don't believe that. Right, right. You know where we're at in the last days? Fair. Men shall be lovers yeah. of themselves. Right. Is it there? Yeah. Are we there? Just asking a question. I told you I won't finish this message. I. I will I'll probably just close right here because I got sixteen pages. Nor do I notice self awareness, self love, self rule, self will, self centered, self seeking self-absorbed, self-acceptance, self-justification, self-worship. This is the church. If we would take a poll of everybody in this room, how many of y'all, TikTok, Facebook, uh, all the other mediums, and you 're taking selfies and you 're doing all this kind of stuff, because you want to upload, and you want to, to promote you and you want to bring you to your best, and you want to show everybody in the world how wonderful, and glorious, grand, and, and beautiful that you are. I wonder how many in this room's doing that you 're right there, and this is on the first practice. You're right there. You're right there. You say, brother, but I'm saved. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying that yourself is more than Jesus. Right. I'm just saying that you spend way more time on you than you do on him. Right. Amen. You spend way more time complimenting and promoting you and lifting you up than anybody else. Right. The Bible says esteem others above yourself. Bible says love one another, not love you. The Bible says it teaches us very clearly to deny ourselves, to be crucified unto the world and the world crucified unto us this morning. You know what's wrong with the church this morning? It's full of flesh. That's what's wrong. It's in the heart. It's in the heart. The me, me, me generation it's a lazy generation. Those who are all about them are lazy. Not only is it a lazy generation, it is an entitled generation. When you are self accepted and self justified and self worshiped and self loved and ruled and willed and centered and you're self seeking and self absorbed, you are absolutely entitled. You're entitled. Everything has to meet you and your standards. You go to school when you want to go to school. You get a car, you get married, you live, you go, you go. It's everything is on your terms, self-entitled. That's why we find in America today there's so many people on welfare. There's so many people today that's milking the government. There's so many people today who don't want to work, who is not going to work, and yet get checks and get this and get that and get phones and get help on their rent and get help on their cars and get help on their medicines and get help in the medical. Friend, it's millions and trillions of dollars of our tax-paying dollars that are working hard who are not entitled giving to those that are self. Lazy. Entitled. Thirdly, I notice in this me me generation, shallow. Lastly, weak. This is the professed church today in our churches. And from this one point, every church that's really truly born again would say it's perilous. Would you? You say it's perilous. It's so dangerous. Where would the church be in 20 years in such a case? It's difficult. It's hard to bear. It's hard to look at. It's hard to approach. It's so downgrading. It's so degrading. The hearts of the professed church is full of self. And it's rotten. It's rotten. Many people won't come to this church because we don't have a choir. Many people won't come to church today because we ain't got this big youth group. Many won't come to church because we're 800 feet off the main road. Many won't come to this church because we preach out of the King James Version Bible and won't compromise. Many won't come to this church because we sing out of hymns and we have a guitar that leads our singing. Many won't come to this church uh, because of we believing that you're going to love Jesus, you'll live Jesus. I can go on and on and on. But all that equals to self. That's all that equals to self. It's rotten, rotten flesh. The practice of the reprobate's heart is pure flesh. Self. I would say this morning as we stand to our feet and our heads are bowed that I'd put myself in check right now. I'd check myself out. I'd say, well, if the last days this is what the church is going to look like and I am in the church, I am of the church, have I found myself being way more about self than I should have? So you can stop that this morning. You can repent of it. You can come to the place and say, you know what? I'm no longer going to allow self to control my actions, my behaviors, and my attitude any longer. I crucify myself. How about you this morning? Will you just allow yourself to be ran and governed and ruled by your flesh and call yourself a Christian? Or will you give unto Jesus this morning... And let him rule and reign your flesh. You choose. The Bible said, Know this also, that in the last days there shall be perilous times. And I'm telling you this morning, it's perilous. To see the church full of self, it's perilous. It's difficult. You've seen Brother George. Some of you are not saved, and the reason why is because you're self. You're in the way. Get out of the way this morning and let Jesus save you. Self. Self. Men shall be lovers of self. Men shall be lovers of self. Men should be lovers of self. God, help me to rebuke myself. God, help me to put down myself. God, help me not to think more highly of myself than I ought to think. Oh, God. Help me, dear God, do an examination. Am I lifting up self? Is self really what it's all about? How about you this morning? How about
1: you?
0: As a pastor this morning, my heart is broke over the church. I would recommend this morning that you come back tonight. If you are that practicing Christian, you want to know about the last days and what the church is going to look like so that you can be aware of it. I recommend it highly so that we can understand this chapter and these verses so that we are ready. God help the church to have more interest and more desire to know what Paul is telling about within this picture and prophecy. I pray you come back tonight, and we'll go further. Let's be dismissed, Brother Charlie, if you would, dismiss us my brother, sure. word of prayer.
1: Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. For me, I can say. the heart.